Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the book of Acts, the New Testament history of the church, chapter 20, verses 7 to 12. I think you're going to like this story if you haven't heard it before, so pay attention, don't fall asleep, and listen for God's word to you today. On the first day of the week when we met to break bread, Paul was holding a discussion with them since he intended to leave the next day. He continued speaking until midnight. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were meeting. A young man named Eutychus, who was sitting in the window, began to sink off into a deep sleep while Paul continued to speak still longer. Overcome by sleep, he fell to the ground three floors below and was picked up dead. But Paul went down and, bending over him, took him in his arms and said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. Then Paul went upstairs, and after he had broken bread and eaten, he continued to converse with them until dawn. Then he left. Meanwhile, they had taken the boy away alive and were not a little comforted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you heard this story before? It's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. Um, Good morning once again. It's great to be with you today. I want to say hi to those worshiping online with us on YouTube, Facebook Live, uh, listening to the sermon podcast later in the week. There was a little snippet this week in the news that caught my attention. Um, Apparently, somebody was messing around with AI, artificial intelligence, and they they gave this input, and it said, show me Jesus flipping over the tables in the temple. And this is what came up. (laughs) That was pretty good. You know that Bible story, right? It's not quite how I pictured it. And, and so I saw this, this image floating around, and it made me kind of wonder, um, what would the image be to summarize the story we have today from the Bible, the one that we just read about Paul and his long sermon that stretched deep into the night, and it was so long that Eutychus fell asleep and actually fell out of the window and died. So I didn't ask AI, because I don't know how to do that, but I bet it would be something like this one. Maybe this would be the image, you know? Does that seem right? Has, have you been there? Um, or maybe it'd be like this one. Um, having trouble sleeping? Try one of our sermons. <laughs> it's just rude. I suspect that um, all of you could probably picture the scene we're seeing or hearing about from the Bible today. Um, here, here's, how it, here's how it goes. Paul was in Troas, which is in modern-day Turkey, what they call Asia in the Bible, and he's right across from Greece. And he's been there for a week-long visit. And this is the last night of his time there, and so they're meeting together, and it says it's the first day of the week, so it's a Sunday. But it's not bright and early on a Sunday morning like all of you eager beaver Presbyterians, you know, getting to church and then going to watch football all day. No, they are meeting uh, in the evening and maybe even into the night, midnight, and all the way until dawn. It says that they met to break bread together. And this, this month, we have this um, memory verse that is a whole church in our year for growing in grace. We're trying to memorize together. It's from Acts 2.42. And since this is the last Sunday of the month, it's the test. Do you ever have a stress dream where you didn't prepare for the test? And some of you are here like, what's the test? Okay, if you remember it, if you've got this one in your mind, join me. What's our memory verse today? It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and the prayers. You got it. A plus. Good job. Um, I heard last night that there are actually A plus pluses in some schools now. I don't know about that. Um, so there they were on a Sunday morning, well, Sunday night, breaking bread together, and they're meeting in an upper room. The Bible says they're meeting in an upper room, and we are meant to know what that means. It's meant to call something to mind for us. After all, the upper room is where Jesus spent the last night of his life when he was betrayed, eating with his disciples, breaking bread before he went to the cross. It was a place of great intimacy and closeness. Jesus was there in that, with them in that upper room, breaking bread, teaching them, talking, sharing fellowship. And that's what is happening here in this Bible story, too. But now, in this story, Jesus has gone to heaven. So it's Paul, the Apostle Paul, who steps in to continue that teaching and preaching ministry, proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. He's faithfully there at work, doing the work of Christ. And that's kind of what we try to do together, too, as a church. But there's a problem, because Paul goes on and on in his sermon, or his message, and his talking, and there's a young man there, his name is Eutychus, and he's feeling kind of drowsy. Oh, yes. And he's sitting by the windowsill, you know, catching some of that cool night air, and it says that he began to sink off into a deep sleep while Paul talked still longer. And then Eutychus actually falls out of the window. He falls from a third-story um, height and goes all the way down, and he's picked up dead. So anybody sitting in the balcony today, you've been warned. <laughs> it was there. It was there, Chris. So this is kind of a funny story, right? Kind of a fun New Testament um, story. And it's about this preacher who's kind of boring, kind of going on too long, and about people who nod off to sleep. I mean, try coming to the late service on Christmas Eve here at church and see how it goes. It happens. But let me open up this story with you a little bit. Uh, there's a preacher named Anna Florence Carter who asks this question. She says, why is it that Eutychus, this young person, this teenager, is sitting over by the window on the edge of the community? Why are they over there and not right in here? Why aren't they fully included or engaged or involved? Is it a surprise to anyone that someone who's kind of disconnected on the edges and not really included might fall away? In fact, in the New Testament, there are many uh, instances where the idea of physical sleep or sleepiness or falling asleep is uh, related to being spiritually asleep. We all need physical sleep, that's good, but th there's sometimes where it's related to being spiritually asleep. And, and then it's also kind of a euphemism in the Bible. When someone falls asleep, it's a euphemism for saying that they died. They fell asleep in the Lord. They died. And so here is this kid who comes to church and falls asleep at church, and that kind of means like spiritually falling asleep. They're missing the message, and the, the story sort of indicates they're in danger of really falling away, even to death. And that's what happens. Eutychus falls out the window, he falls three doors down, and he's picked up dead. So Paul pauses his sermon, which we appreciate. And very pastoral move. And he goes down and he bends over this, this, this boy, this kid, and he takes him up in his arms. And there's, this, there's a Greek word that's used in the story um, where he says he bends over him and picks him up in his arms. And it's the same verb that's used in the story of the prodigal son. Remember the story of the prodigal son? 
where the son goes off and leaves his father and says, you're dead to me. And he takes his inheritance and he goes to a far country where he wastes it in dis wild and dissolute living, we can imagine. And then while he's in the far country, he becomes hungry and he finally comes home and he comes back to the father. And it turns out his father has been waiting for him the whole time, watching for him. And as he gets close, the father runs out to meet him. And when he arrives, the son has this rehearsed story, father, I have sinned against you and against heaven and I can never be received again. I'll be your servant. And the father says, forget about that. And he embraces him and he falls on him. And that's the same exact language that's used in this story of Eutychus. Paul goes to the one who has fallen asleep, not just physically, spiritually, fallen away, and he embraces him. In the story of the prodigal son, um, the, the father says this. He says, um, my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. Paul does the same with Eutychus. This young boy dead but wait there's still life in him paul says before you write this guy off before you say ah he fell away from the faith before you say well we haven't seen him since covid so you don't know paul says there is still life in him so which is it is he dead or is there still life in him it's the same in that prodigal son story. Sure, he seems dead. Sure, she seems quite lost. Maybe it, it appears to us there's no redemption for that guy or that gal or a person like that. But I think it was Jesus who said, with humans, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Even the finding of the lost, even the raising of the dead, even a redemption story that surprises us. And so Eutychus, whose name literally means fortunate one, he's quite fortunate, he's being picked up, he's been revived, he's been resuscitated, he's been brought back to life, and then they bring him back up to the upper room where they continue to break bread together and they go back into this cycle of worship and fellowship and apostles' teaching and, and prayer. You know, in the, in the prodigal son story, at the end, the father throws a big party, right? Just like we said, and they do it here too. The church does the same. They break bread together. They, they're in fellowship because this one who was lost or dead is returned. I imagine at, at this part of the story, it's not said, that Eutychus is no longer sitting over by the window, you know, off to the side. <laughs> you got some safety bars up there. But he's no longer on the edge of the community, I'll bet he joined in. I'll bet that that church kept a special, watchful eye over the life of that boy. Henry Nouwen, the great Christian spiritual writer of the 20th century, says this. He says, when we break bread and give it to each other, fear vanishes and God becomes very close. This whole story that we're reading today is bookended on either side by the community breaking bread together. So on the one hand, breaking bread is just an extension of fellowship. You know, there's an old saying, folks need to meet and greet and eat, and we do that in church. Breaking bread has to do with table fellowship. But it's also linked with worship, because the communion meal is that time when we break bread at the table and our, our eyes are opened, and we recognize the presence of Christ right here with us. 
It's not stated in this story, but I'll bet there were a few prayers that were said. I mean, wouldn't you pray if somebody fell down and, and maybe that you think they're dead or they're in a medical emergency or something's happening? And then afterwards, there were probably prayers, prayers of thanksgiving. Prayers say two things. They say, this is important to me. So we lift up. What's important to you? We're going to pray about it. And then it works the other way around, too. When you pray for something, it becomes important to you. I want to look at our church prayer list. Pray about those people. They become important to you, even if they weren't already. Or lift your prayers to God, the things that are in your heart. Here's a spiritual practice for you, something you can take into your week. Whenever you are out and about and you hear sirens, like a fire truck or an ambulance, pause and pray for whoever's going, whatever's going on for those people today. Those emergency vehicles are going to help somebody. Pray for them. If, if you want to be an embarrassing kind of person with your kids, say, hey, kids, let's pray right now for these people. If you're with a friend, say, hey, would you pray with me for this? I don't know who it is. That's how prayer works. You pray for somebody, you lift it up to God, something important to you. So if you really want to grow in your faith, grow in a grace-filled way, I want to encourage you to, to let breaking bread, fellowship, and uh, worship, and prayer with your church family be a regular part of your life. There's no need to wait for a drive-by from like a police car or a a fire engine or ambulance. There's no need to wait just for an emergency moment. We can all pray in an emergency, but to let those practices be part of our day or our week or our month, just practices of life. Yesterday, we were um, here for a memorial service for Tony Cliff, the man in our church known to many of you um, who had been sick with cancer for 20 years. Longer than I had known him, he had been sick. As long as his kids were alive, he'd been sick. And his wife, Julie, and their girls were here, and I looked out in the church here and, and saw so many uh, folks who have been through it with them, so many of you who've, who've known that family, who've known the constant fears and worries, the setbacks and disappointments, the hopes that never panned out, and they needed a community like this. After the service in the social hall, we went over and we broke bread together. It was actually cake and cookies. But um, everybody was, who was there um, had been a part of this man's struggle and his story. And you could see people who were there from, the, from her small group. You could see people who were there who had made food and brought it over. You could see people over there who had reached out as a friend. You'd seen people over there who just had had a prayer printed in the bulletin and took it home into their own prayer life and lifted them up. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. And the word that comes to my mind as I read this story about Eutychus and as we try to kind of apply it somehow into our life today, the word for me is intimacy. Intimacy. I looked this word up on Google this week, and most of it was about relationship intimacy. And I'm going to get a lot of Facebook ads coming my way as a result of that search <laughs> that I don't really want. The kind of intimacy I'm talking about really is, is closeness, tenderness, care, connection. Intimacy with God and intimacy with other people, how we get close. The early church community that we're reading about in the Bible the, that gives us this example of one of their teenagers who falls asleep, falls out a window, falls away from the community, 
falls away from their faith. But then God does this amazing thing through Paul. He sees that there's still life in him. He believes the best is yet to come. He embraces him right where he is and helps to bring him back to life, to life in the community, to life with God. So this is my invitation to you today. Come and grow in grace with us. Intimacy with God is built through worship and prayer, through communion and service to others. Intimacy with people around you is built through common experiences like fellowship, breaking the bread, sharing life. So if you're sitting on the windowsill today, I'm speaking to you. If you've been feeling a little bit drowsy in your faith, this is your message. Come on in and come a little closer because God is looking for you with love. And if you're somebody who's kind of deep into this community of faith, into your own walk with the Lord, I want you also to grow in having your eyes of faith and grace open to those who are a little farther away. As you grow in grace, you'll be more able to welcome others with the embrace of the Father God, that embrace that God has for us. God's grace is surprising, it is challenging, and it is real. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of God, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.